Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. Well, hope you're having a great weekend so far. Want to uh, share, we're starting a brand new series here that we're gonna do for several weeks. That's the plan anyway, Lord willing. I always wanna say that, because things can change. But um, I also want to just highlight uh, an amazing thing that happened this, this last week. If you watch the news at all, you know that, uh, whew. Thank you, Lord. After 50 years and over 60 million Lives taken. Roe v. Wade overturned at the federal level, which means it goes to the states. So states then decide. So now we need to, let's keep praying, let's pray for North Carolina. That would be one of those states that that gets turned around. You know, it's one of those issues, and you know, I know it's such a huge um, divide in our country related to this issue, but it really is it's not about uh, the choice of a woman, ultimately. It's about the life of a person that's inside the woman. It's different DNA entirely. It's a different personality. It's another human being. And so uh, it's about life. It's a moral issue before it's a political one in any way. I do not like politics. I hate politics, to be honest, because of how divisive they can be, though I understand the necessity of, of politics. But this is not a political issue. This is about life. This is about the value that God places on life. And it's high. He talks about him forming us in our mother's wombs with his own hands. So it's a, it's a huge thing. So I'm so thankful that this has been overturned. And uh, I feel like it's time to uh, still repent on behalf of our nation for all the blood and all that has happened over these 50 plus years. And it just is, it, it shows the power of lies and deception from the enemy. The enemy's the one behind this. Uh, in the beginning of, he's always been, Jesus said he's been a murderer from the beginning. And so he just is always trying to get people to believe his murderous thoughts and ways. And that is what has happened. And so now that that is being overturned, has been overturned, um, we want life to be able to, we want to help people all the way from the womb to the tomb, right? All the way. We love people uh, and see the value that we are all made in his image. And, um, just thankful and grateful. Um, but Lord, please help to continue to overturn this great evil that we bought into as a country uh, so many years ago. Lord, I ask that you'd forgive us and cleanse our land. Wash over with your blood, Lord, and cleanse us. And Lord, I ask that every state would ban abortion and the death, Lord, the very thing that through the scriptures um, that you had a lot of judgment toward those nations who sacrificed their children. And Lord, I'm asking that you would help us cleanse our land and the world. In Jesus' name, and thank you, Lord. Watch over the Supreme Court justices and all those uh, in authority, Lord. I ask you to watch over their lives, protect them as well. Those with the great courage, especially, Lord, to stand in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's a, it's a celebration, and it's also sobering at the same time. You know, it's amazing when I look at things of how the enemy takes lies and deception and gets people to believe it and then normalize it. It's just, it's uh, crazy. But Jesus, 
came to bring truth and set people free, right? I'm so thankful we'll be talking about that, about truth a lot here in the next several months. I'm gonna do a series on it in September, uh, Lord willing. But um, we would dive more into some of this stuff. But today we wanna talk about the Bible. I'm gonna talk about uh, the book of Hebrews today. Um, you know, and we are so privileged. You know, that privilege word uh, has to do with an advantage, things that have been done for us that we didn't do. You and I are all sitting here very privileged. Do you realize that? In many, many ways, most things that we enjoy have been done for us, like God having done everything uh, to cause us to be alive, to give us the air we breathe. April was just mentioning it. All the different things from our heart beating Oh, so many things, God. And then salvation on the spiritual side. Jesus did all of that. The Father, it was his idea to send his son. All that's been done for our eternal salvation, all given to us. All we had to do is receive it. Incredible. Uh, and then living in this country, I'm so thankful. As much as we have problems, I'm so grateful for a nation where we can worship. So much freedom that is here in this country. Incredible to me. Paid for by founding fathers, those who fought for liberty, some lawmakers, I'm so grateful. So much has been given to us, and we have a lot of privileges that we just enjoy every single day. How about our parents, things that they did for us? Uh, they paved a way for us to be alive. I was thinking as we were worshiping, you know, I've only missed, the, I've only missed a few meals that weren't by choice in my entire life. I'm 53. That's a lot of meals. The Lord has provided, and my parents provided for the first several years, but he, is, he has given to us so many things. I'm very, very grateful. One of the things he's given to us, this treasure trove of the scriptures that we did nothing to get, to earn. Isn't that amazing? Um, over 1,500 years, this was written by 40 different authors, different languages, and it was preserved. I mean, these scribes were meticulous in writing these things down. It'd take them a year to make one copy of the Old Testament. And here we have this Bible. I've got, you know, if, if you have the Awake Church app on your phone, which you should, but on the Awake Church app, not only can you give by that, but you can watch the messages like today, but also is the Bible app inside of it, the version Bible. So you've got, you have 69 versions of the Bible at your fingertips. It was for free, you downloaded it. There it is. I've got the U version, I use it every day. 69 different translations of versions in English that I can read of the Bible. Man, it was not always that way in the world. Think of those who have gone on before us who have died, lived and died. You know, John Wycliffe, I have a lot of heroes. John Wycliffe is one of them. Um, boy, probably a the trigger for revival and a move of freedom in the spirit that probably rivals any in over through history. John Wycliffe, he said, I want the scriptures in English where people can read it. Because it was by law, basically Roman Catholic church law that it had to be in Latin and only the priests had the scriptures. The common person would screw everything up so you couldn't have a Bible. That was the mentality, right? John Wycliffe said, I think everybody should have it. And then William Tyndale, Two or 300 years later, he said he met this priest and the priest didn't know very much about the Bible, even though he had one. And he said, my dream is that a farm boy 
with the scriptures in his own language would know more about God than the priests in the Catholic Church. And so he translated the Bible. You've heard of Tyndale, right? Publishing. Well, it goes back to William Tyndale as he started making Bibles in English and he had to run for his life. They finally caught him. Someone ratted him out and they accused him of the primary thing was that he believed that salvation was by faith in Jesus instead of submitting to the Pope. And they strangled him, then they burned him to death for that and taking this Bible and putting it into the language of the common person. And here we are, isn't that amazing? Here we have these, these words. You know that there's what's called the chain. Oh boy, I could talk too much about this. But one more quick thing. You know, back in the 1500s when they made some of the first editions of the Bible in English, they called it the chained Bible. Not that it was bound. It was bound to the pulpit. They would chain it to the pulpit so people wouldn't steal it because people didn't have the Bible for themselves. They couldn't take one home. So they'd come to the church and they would read it and it was chained to it. And they would share it with, their, with other people who came to, to read the scripture. Pretty amazing. It's kind of was how it was in the temple for years and years and years, you know, hundreds of years as well when we just had the Old Testament. So anyway, we have been given so much. We've been given so much. We have so much treasure, so much to be thankful for in so many ways. And uh, kind of a fun thing, when I was in my 20s and I started, you know, you, 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 I met the Lord when I was seven, but along the way, I've needed to shore up my faith and find out, well, is this what I believe or is it just what my parents taught? Do I just want to believe what they said? But what's my faith? So was, um, during my, some of my journey and seeking out, one of my questions was this, Okay, 66 books, who chose those? Why aren't there 72 or 49 or whatever, why? So, man, I dove in and learned a lot, which created some other heroes that I have. One of them is Athanasius from Alexandria, Egypt. He was the one who really kind of put forth the first, you know, 66 list. But then I was reading in Isaiah one day, and I didn't read this somewhere, but as I was reading the book of Isaiah, this thought hit me, wait a minute, there's 66 chapters in the book of Isaiah. 66 chapters, that's an interesting number because there's 66 books in the Bible. And I, as I looked at the chapters of Isaiah, the first 39 are talking about really the sin of man and judgment of God. But then all of a sudden on chapter 40, the last 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah it starts off with comfort, comfort my people, and it speaks of the king who is coming and the Messiah and redemption and salvation. So in this micro, it's like a micro picture of the entire Bible is the book of Isaiah with the 66 books, 39, which there are 39 chapters, excuse me, books of the Old Testament, and there are 27 books of the New. And it's like in a picture of, here it is in Isaiah, I thought there's no one smart enough to have figured that out. They did that on purpose. God did that, and it was a confirmation to me, a help along the way with the other things that I learned that this is the canon of Scripture that God wanted us to have. Plus, you have a whole lot of other things we could talk about. We'll do that another day. Anyway, let's talk about one of these books in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews, beautiful book. And one of the reasons we want to talk about this book as well as the other books we'll talk about is always wanting us to grow in the knowledge of him and in the image of Jesus. 
that we would be changed, that we would grow to become different people than who we used to be, more and more like him, in preparation for his return, that we would treat other people the way that they need to be treated, that our hearts would be changed, that we would receive all that we are to receive and live in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. We want that in every way. And the book of Hebrews is one of these that highlights a few things. I'm just gonna try and go through the couple of chapters, the first couple of chapters. We're gonna read some today. In this book, no one knows who the author is of this book. There's a lot of ideas, I have my own, uh, but no, it doesn't say who wrote the book of Hebrews. Um, but there are some themes in it. You can tell that this is written for believers. This is specifically for us, to help us grow, help us understand, have our minds set right. And you'll see throughout this that he's talking about, particularly the first chapter or two, the supremacy of Jesus of who he is, that he's superior to every, everyone else. So let's go ahead and jump on in. And Lord, thank you for your word and your preservation of this word and that it's alive and active and powerful. As it says in Hebrews, stronger, sharper than a two-edged sword. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Illuminate our minds today in Jesus' name. Verse one of chapter one of Hebrews. Let's just read some of this together. I'll stop along the way, and uh, here we go. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets in many portions and in many ways, and there were spectacular ways that God spoke to give us these scriptures to these 40 different people who wrote the Bible. Um, sometimes it was by fire on top of a mountain, the presence of God when he met with Moses. We have the prophets, really angels who would help communicate the words to people who wrote the scriptures. Verse two, in these last days has spoken to us in his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. There's two huge statements. That God, he used to speak through these prophets, Moses, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Damon, all those guys. He spoke through all of them. They wrote these down. They penned these words inspired by God. It says in Timothy that the words of Scripture are inspired by God. God inspired people to write this. But in these last days, it says he's now speaking to us in his son, not just uh, words to someone else. He's, he's himself coming in the flesh and telling us things. Whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the world. He made the world. He's saying Jesus, which also says in Psalms, that Jesus made the world. Verse three, and he, Jesus, is who he's speaking of, is the radiance of his glory. He's just gonna talk about Jesus for a little bit here in this chapter. He is the radiance of his glory. Now, I, I thought about this, and I heard um, Nikki Gumbel mention this as well, that the sunshine in the sky right now, that's 93 million miles away, you know, the light that comes from that, the heat and the energy that comes in those rays from the sun is very similar to 
I guess I could use it as a little bit of a parallel of Jesus being the radiance of the Father. They're the same, but they are also different. They're one in essence. It's like the light coming from the sun is, and that heat, it is from that sun. Jesus is the radiance of the Father. It's the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. You know, Jesus said this of himself. He said, if you've seen me, what? You've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We are one. That's another amazing statement that he said that in John 14, 9. In other words, if you want to know what the Father is like, you don't have to look any further than Jesus. Whatever Jesus is like, that's how the Father is. He's exactly like him. A couple of months ago, I went to our church bank, the bank that we use, and there was someone that I'd never seen before. I was doing, a, a, had to fill out a paper, and as I'm speaking with her, she looked at me and said, are you Josiah Peterson's dad? And I said, yeah. I said, do I, do I know you? And she said, no. She said, but I used to work with your son, and he looks just like you, <laughs> except for the gray hair. She didn't say that part, but. My son and I look similar. Jesus, altogether different. He doesn't just look like the Father. He's the exact representation of the Father. He's not just similar. He's, he's exact. That's, that's amazing to me. And the things that Jesus says are the things the Father would say. The thing that Jesus does, whatever his actions are, are the things that the Father is doing. Jesus said that as well in John 5, 19. I don't do anything but unless I see my Father doing it. They are one. So the writer of Hebrews is establishing who Jesus is. He's the creator of the world. He's the exact representation of the Father. He came from him. When you get Jesus, you're getting the Father also. And then here it says, and upholds all things by the word of his power. This exact representation, this glory, upholds all things by the word of his power. That's a loaded, loaded, there's a lot in there. But it reminded me of this passage in Colossians 1. L listen to this, speaking of Jesus again in another book. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. That sounds similar. He upholds all things by the word of his power, and in him all things hold together. I have a theory that Jesus is gravity based on this passage. He holds everything together. I, I watched, I, was, I studied gravity a little bit. And one of the interviews with this astrophysicist, when they asked them that exact question, explain gravity, what is it? Here's what she said. We have no idea. We have no idea. We know that the mass of a, Object creates stronger gravity, but we do not understand it. We don't know how it works. We don't know what it is. Well, the Bible says Jesus holds all things together. 
How about that one? How about this too? Just another thing to be thankful for. FYI, when you woke up this morning, do you realize that if we didn't have an atmosphere on this planet, what life would be like? Well, there wouldn't be. We can just take a look at the moon. Not very far away, 250,000 miles away. And what's life like there? Well, every day, think about this, every day, there's about a 500 degree temperature variation change every day. It goes from about 250 minus 250 to 250 freezing, cold, extra cold, 250 degrees minus and plus every day on the moon. That's serious. Why doesn't that happen here? We're about the same distance from the sun because of the atmosphere, the atmosphere here. And how is the atmosphere here? Protecting and keeping the, the right, like it's gonna be hot today, what, 90? Don't complain. <laughs> I'm serious, it's so easy to, and I do it, honestly. Man, what a hot day, it was 96 this week. Listen, it could be 250. <laughs> except for God. So all these gases don't escape into space because of this atmosphere. And where does the atmosphere come from? Gravity. Gravity holds the atmosphere in place so that you and I can enjoy life. Without gravity, without basically, I'm gonna say this, without Jesus holding everything together, we're the moon. We're just a collector for meteorites. Thank you, Jesus. He holds, he upholds all things by the word of his power. In him, all things hold together. When he had made purification of sins, that's another attribute, something that he did is he made purification of sins. You know, that's been every people, maybe not every person, but people throughout time have sought a way to get cleansed of their sin or freed from the shame and condemnation or the bad thing that they've done. So they've done sacrifice, even sacrificing children, all kinds of horrible things, trying to have this. Jesus is the one who, through his sacrifice of himself, gave that blood of his for all who believe in him to wash us free from sin to cleanse us from sin. The thing that people have sought for for thousands of years, Jesus did and gave it to us. That's an amazing thing. How great a thing that we can say right now, if you sinned yesterday or this morning or about five minutes ago when I was talking, guess what? Whew, we can just access this so quickly. Jesus, forgive me. I ask that you cleanse me of my sin, of my thoughts, of my wrong thinking and wrong ways, wrong behavior. Whew. Purification of sins, Jesus did. And then he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You know, if you've ever had, you know, April, she's a farmer. I used to work, I started working when I was nine years old. Um, a lot of those jobs, I'd, tra I'd change what they call changing irrigation pipe. I'd get up at 4.30 in the morning in summer to get out there before first light, changing pipe, I weeded strawberries, I bucked bales, lots of manual labor jobs in my life. There's something about when you get home and you sit down because you've just worked, 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 worked and when you sit down, it's like, it is done for the day, right? That is similar 
mindset here, when Jesus, when it says he sat down, it's saying the job was done. It's completed what he came to do. His mission was over and he sat down right next to the father. Majesty on high. Verse four, having become as much better than the angels as he has inherited a more excellent name than they. <laughs> you know, there's a lot in a name, especially Hebrew mindset. You have realized that a name that's given to someone, whatever that name means, it speaks of the nature of that person. You know, and sometimes we need to, you know, feel free. You can change your name if you don't like it, by the way. You can. But this name that was given to Jesus basically means salvation. That because of what Jesus did, the authority and the power that goes along with his name is excellent and higher than any other name in all of the universe. That's why as believers, we get to say the name of Jesus. All that he did and all that he accomplished, he gave his name for, to us to say, to speak. And what does the devil try and do? Have you ever heard of any other leader of any other religion whose name is mocked like Jesus Christ's name? No. You never hear anybody cuss Muhammad something or Buddha something, but you hear the name Jesus Christ mocked because the devil hates it. And he, it's not just that the name is said, it's how it's said and the attitude in which it is said. When a believer, you and I, following Jesus, receiving him, loving him, say his name, we can say it with authority and we can say it with worship and beauty. And it says this too in Philippians that at the name of Jesus, what? Every knee one day will bow. Every single one, the knees will buckle. Everyone will confess that he is the Lord. We get to do it voluntarily. There'll be at some point where they won't even be able to help themselves. Their legs will just collapse at that name. But you and I today, we get to say the name Jesus, sing the name Jesus, shout the name Jesus, appreciate and worship the name Jesus, the name that is above every other name because of all that he's done and who he is, incredible. And then verse five, it says, for to which of the angels did he ever say, he's just talking about the greatness of Jesus. So he says, to which of the angels did he ever say, you are my son, today I've begotten you. To none of them, although Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus is just an angel. Do you know that? That's one of the differences between the Jehovah's Witnesses' beliefs and ours. They, don't, they, would, they think he's just an angel. He's not God. He's not all-powerful. And again, I will be a father to him, and he shall be a son to me. Verse six, and when he again brings the firstborn into the world, he says, and let all the angels of God worship him. And of the angels, he says, who makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire? But the son, verse eight, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. And the righteous scepter is the scepter of his kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with, all, with the oil of gladness above your companions. He is saying Jesus is God. Jesus is above every other being, including all the angels, as great as they are. 
Jesus is above all. Verse 10, and you, Lord, in the beginning laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you remain and they all will become old like a garment and like a mantle, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will also be changed, but you are the same and your years will never come to an end. But to which of the angels has he ever said, sit at my right hand? To none. Rhetorical question, until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Verse 14, are not, excuse me, are they not all ministering spirits, speaking of angels, sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? He's simply establishing Jesus is greater than all of the angels. He's the greatest with the greatest name. Let's go to chapter two. Started off for this reason going off all the things that he just talked about, for this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard so that we do not drift away from it. Uh, you'll hear me talking a lot about it because I feel it is my duty to let you know about the schemes and the wiles of the enemy and his, his strategies because we need to know and understand the enemy's going to constantly and forever accuse, kill, steal, and destroy and try and divide you and separate you from belief in who Jesus is. He's gonna forever try and divide you from your spouse, forever divide you from a, a local fellowship. The enemy hates unity and he hates you believing in Jesus, trusting in Jesus, living like Jesus, saying his name with authority and power, praying with authority, Praying as a son, walking as a son, the enemy hates it. And so he's saying here, oh, please play, pay even closer attention than you ever have before to what we've heard so that you do not drift away from it. See, Jesus even spoke of the great apostasy that will happen, the falling away of believers. People who have walked with him and known him and worshiped him, followed him and believed and read the scriptures who will drift away, fall away. Their faith gets damaged in some way. They start listening to lies. They start believing deception, becoming deceived themselves. We can never allow ourselves to get jaded by Jesus. Please, I beg of you, don't allow it. If someone mistreats you and they call themselves a Christian, they probably are a Christian. If they mistreat you, why would you ever throw Jesus away? That doesn't make any sense, does it? Never throw Jesus away. Hold tightly onto him. Believe in him for who he is and what he has said and what others have said about him in these scriptures. Hang on to him. Don't back up. Don't back away. Don't drift away, as it says here. Forever let's stay faithful to Jesus. Is that a pact? Let's do that together. We agree. Stay faithful to Jesus. I'm not talking about a church or a fellowship or a person or a president or a pope or anybody else. Let's stay faithful to Jesus, the person, forever. All agree? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Lord, you heard that. Seal that Holy Spirit in our hearts that we would always stay close to Jesus and never drift away. Regardless of what happens, regardless of what shake, shaking goes on in the world, whatever shaking goes on in my family, no matter what happens, I will not drift away. Lord, I, and help me, Holy Spirit. Because like Peter said, he wouldn't either 
Holy Spirit, we need your help. Help us, Lord, to stay with you always and forever. Verse two, for if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That word neglect is so interesting in this spot to me. How will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? It didn't say that you reject a great salvation. It says you have it and then you neglect it. Wow, I don't want to neglect this great salvation to be in wonder and awe of what he's done for me. I'm not going to neglect that. I'm going to be thankful for that and celebrate that and, and appreciative of all that Jesus has done for me, this great salvation that I have. After it was at the first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, according to his own will. For he did not subject to angels the world to come, concerning which we are speaking, but one has testified somewhere, I like that he says this, saying, and he quotes the scripture, he doesn't say Psalms 8 because there weren't any chapters or verses then. He says, somewhere someone said this, what is man that you remember him or the son of man that you are concerned with about him? You've made him a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor. You've appointed him over the works of your hands. You've put all things in subjection under his feet for in subjecting all things to him, he left nothing that is not subject to him. But now we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Verse nine, but we do see him who was made a little while lower than the angels, namely Jesus, because the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor so that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. Thank you, Lord, for doing that. Verse 10, for it was fitting for him. It was fitting for Jesus for whom are all things and through whom are all things in bringing many sons to glory to perfect the author of their salvation through sufferings. And that one, I was um, trying to go, why was it fitting for him through whom all things? Why did he, why does it say it was fitting for him to die? And when I thought of it and was reading what some other people were saying too, this this thought hit me, it was fitting for Jesus to do this because he's that great. He's that amazing. He's that good. He's that loving that would be fitting. It's like if, if someone said, yeah, that's, that's, that's something like Tony Green would do because he just really loves people. He's such a good guy. He would do that kind of thing. When I think of Jesus, it was fitting for him to give his entire life out of love for all of mankind That makes perfect sense because that's the nature of God. Not a punishment to him, but a giving of himself for us. That sounds like God. That's the kind of thing he would do. For both he who sanctifies and those, verse 11, who are sanctified are all from one father, for which reason he is not ashamed to call them brethren, saying, I will proclaim your name to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I am the children whom God have given me. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise 
also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Well, I love that. Jesus rendered powerless him who had the power of death. Satan was given death by mankind when they sinned and they handed over the keys. Jesus ripped those keys out of the enemy's hand, overcame death, hell, and the grave, right? Rendered powerless him who had the power of death. You know what the Bible says too is that one day when we all get to see the devil, guess what? not only are we gonna see God, we're gonna see the devil. Do you realize that? And what, what are we gonna say? Is that him? That's the guy? You've got to be joking. That's the creature that deceived the entire world and caused billions of murders. That was him. We, the world was deceived by him. And it says of Jesus, when we see him, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess. It's the exact opposite. Jesus rendered powerless the devil and his lies and schemes so that we can be free in our minds, free in our hearts from several things here. Here's one of them. It might be free from those who, verse 15, who fears, through fear of death were subject to slavery all of their lives. You might be living in a country that is free, but you can be a slave to fear. That's because that's the devil's what he does. He causes people to be enslaved to things, sin, lust, fear, but Jesus rendered him powerless. Through Jesus, we can be free from lust, fear, fear of death. All of those things, Jesus set us free. And if you wanna get free from one of those today, we'll have teams here in just a moment. We'd love to pray with you and apply the power and the work of Jesus to your life. We can do that. You can receive it. You don't have to fear death. There are people who will not step on an airplane because of fear of death. People who will not go on a mountain trail, fear of death. People who will not do a lot of things because death, they feel it's always lurking. That is just a demonic lie that Jesus broke the power of, right? Okay. For assuredly, he, God, does not give help to angels, but he gives help to the descendant of Abraham. Who's a descendant of Abraham? We are, right? By faith, you and I are descendants of Abraham. How about that one? You might not be a Jew, naturally, if you trace your lineage all the way back, but all of us, Jew and Gentile, by faith, are descendants of Abraham. Isn't that incredible, too? And it says that God gives help to us. He gives help to us in so many ways. How about this? He sent the person named help to us. The helper, the Holy Spirit, to live inside of us, to help us in every single way, which is why I just prayed, Lord, help us to never drift away. Holy Spirit, help all the way. It's good to cry out for help. That's a great thing to do, by the way. We should do that often. Help, Lord. Help Jesus in so many situations because the Spirit is there to do that very thing that we ask. You have not because? Ask not, the Bible says, right? So let's ask. 
Help me understand the scripture, Holy Spirit. Help me communicate with my wife. Help me to communicate with my children. Help me to communicate with you. Help, Lord. Help work the situation out. Help this financial situation. We can invite him into every part of your life. Every part of your life, your marriage, your work, every, every single thing. He gives help to the descendants of Abraham. Verse 17, therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Ah, oh, boy, the humility of God is just mind-blowing. He had to be made like his brethren in all things. Same toes and arms and hair going through the same things that we do, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. There's another way he helps. It says here, if you're tempted by something, again, temptation is separate from sin. Temptation is the precursor. It's the thing that's trying to get you entangled in sin. But when we're tempted in anything, guess what? He's able to come to the aid. How about that? That's good to remember right now. Whenever I'm temp tempted to do the wrong thing, for my flesh to do the wrong thing, there's one who's already been tempted by this and he will rush to my aid. He will rush to my aid. He helped me right now. Help Jesus. That's again, back to that prayer. Help Jesus, the one who rushes to my aid in that moment to strengthen me, to put off that temptation, to break the power of it. And a lot of it has to do right here in our minds. It's thoughts. Jesus can come with his thoughts. It says that we have the mind of Christ. He can rush to our aid to give us a different thought than the, temp the tempting thought that I'm having. Jesus wants to do that. And that's the last verse in these two chapters as this writer obviously is declaring the greatness of God and the greatness of Jesus over every creature, over everything, and that he is there for us. And then he's gonna go on and explain some of the rest of this chapter. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the supremacy of Jesus in all things and a reminder even today of the great privilege that we have of being called sons and daughters of Jesus. The one who is, comes to our aid, who has set us free. Thank you, Jesus, for breaking the power of the enemy and rendering him powerless in our lives. Thank you, Jesus, right now. And to any degree that we don't feel like we have power in our lives over the devil. Lord, we just repent of those thoughts right now. Lord, forgive us of those thoughts and run in, into to our aid and give us your mind, Jesus, to think like you think, to have victory on the inside and victory on the outside. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you for coming, for dressing yourself up as a man, going through all that we go through and then dying and paying with your own blood for our salvation that is so great for purchasing our sin and doing away with it, cleansing us, helping us to walk free. 
Thank you for these great truths. Thank you for your words. Lord, I pray that you would be with all of us throughout this week, every day, every challenge that we will face, every difficulty, every decision. Help, Lord. Help, Holy Spirit. Move in our minds and our hearts. Move mountains out of the way that need to be moved out of the way. Help us with every decision. And thank you for your protection overall. We love you, Jesus. We, again, just say thank you and give our lives to you afresh and anew in the powerful, wonderful, supernatural, supreme name of Jesus Christ, the name above all names, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.